Our lives intersect the lives of other people, groups, or even whole governments. What happens next is what I explore in this podcast. Welcome to Intersections. I'm Brett Dickerson, your host. So, welcome to this bonus episode of Intersections. This is a portion of a long interview with a man of many talents, Robert Ruiz. He is the president of Scissortail, a community development organization that focuses its efforts on the south side of Oklahoma City. Much of that interview was about Mexican Independence Day celebrations, which have been growing in importance and attendance here in Oklahoma City. You can hear all about that on episode 55. But in this part of the interview, I visit with Robert about his work promoting mariachi music in this city. We also talk about Robert's personal background and the background of mariachi music. When I first got to know you, you were already a very prominent uh, leader of a mariachi band. So tell, yes. tell us about your band a little bit. And the and what your band is doing now for Oklahoma City Schools, because your band members, all of them are really kind of heavily involved in in the mariachi program here in Oklahoma City Schools. Right. So um, so just background, you know, I started playing trumpet when I was 11 years old. Yeah. Um, pretty quickly got ramped up. My brother, my older brother played trumpet as well. Mm-hmm. And we used to play and sing in a church choir back mm-hmm. in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. That's where we grew up. Yeah. And my brother, we we discovered kind of this this uh, secret cache of uh, mariachi records at my great aunt's, <laughs> you know, house. And so we every every Sunday they were like after church, old records. Yeah, yeah, every Sunday after church, we would go uh, listen to these records, and it was like it was amazing, you know. Uh, most of them featured trumpets pretty pretty prominently. Right, right. And uh, and so my brother kind of had this itch to you know, join a mariachi. I mean, mariachis had always been around. Right, you know, yeah. We'd always seen them. Right. Uh, growing up in San Antonio, it's hard to, you know, you can't throw a right. rock without hitting one. <laughs> Not really. But, uh, but it sounds great to say that. That's anyway. right. Yeah. So my brother actually went to Fiesta, Texas, uh, uh-huh. and tried out for the mariachi that was performing wow. there. Wow. And uh, they they said, unfortunately, they don't have any openings right now, but we, you know, we want to <laughs> we want to refer you to the, another mariachi. So mm-hmm. they did. And then, you know, couple weeks later i accompanied my brother to one of the rehearsals and it just so happened they were looking for another trumpet player they auditioned me on the spot and so i'm this 12 year old kid running around the city playing in a professional mariachi group (laughs) which was just an amazing experience i mean had it not been that my brother was already in the group there was no way my parents would let would let me go yeah yeah kind of so he was he was your older brother then he was my older brother was five years older than that yeah yeah so they figured okay well you guys gonna look out for each other right that was a mistake no (laughs) (laughs) no no you know we 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 stayed out of trouble and it it was just a great experience Mm -hmm. you know to be able to to make music, to see how music could actually have an effect right. on people, mm-hmm. uh, that people have such a tie with these songs that, yeah. you know, even though you may not necessarily be doing the great job of interpreting the song, just they hear the song and they start crying because it triggers something that, right. you know, yeah. they, they remember or a loved yeah. one that was their favorite song. And so it was amazing to experience that side mm-hmm. of the culture. Mm-hmm. 
um, and to, to learn how much it meant yes. uh, to the Hispanic cultures. Because yeah. growing up in San Antonio, it's easy for a person of Hispanic heritage to grow up without any tie to that. Yeah. You know, because you can kind of choose different paths. You can right. be, you know, completely bicultural and bilingual, mm-hmm, or you can mm-hmm. grow a little bit more on the American side or, yeah. or a little bit more on the Hispanic side. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Really a few interesting. times that I've been in San Antonio, I've gotten, I've, I've distinctly gotten that impression that it, that, that the Hispanic population has always been so prominent there that, it, that there was kind of a comfort level with kind of, as you said, just kind of people of Hispanic heritage just going, just kind of choosing their own place there. It's like, well, yeah, you know, I, I want to really be around Hispanic people yeah. a lot, or no, I want to interact with white people and Anglo's and you know black people and other people like that also. And and yeah. and and so there were there's just you know I always felt a great deal of openness. Just kind of I could just walk around anywhere in San Antonio and that that'd be all right. Oh know? yeah, you know. Uh, San Antonio's majority Hispanic. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my family has been there for at least four generations, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm one of those people where they say, well, the border crossed us. You know, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. You know, so. That's awesome. <laughs> now, now, now for my listeners who don't know history, this, yeah. see, I'm a former history teacher. Sure. <laughs> so I see, I, I'm just going to bite on something like that every uh-huh. time. Uh, uh, tell, tell us the background of that humor because sure. people might go, well, you know, San Antonio is in Texas. Hey, what do you mean? Yeah. Okay. What do you exactly. mean by that? Right. So, as many people might know, you know, Texas was its own country. It was and a bef- republic. Yeah, it was yeah. a republic. And uh-huh. before that, uh, it was a part of the, the Mexican territory. Yeah, Mexican it was the country. northern part of Mexico. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Santa Ana basically allowed uh, permission for colonizers to come in. Yeah. They were trying to, uh-huh. you know, uh, you know, colonize Texas, trying to bring Texas up. Right. And so open to people coming in. Mm-hmm. They just had to follow certain rules. Right. Uh, they had to adopt the Catholic religion. They had to do other things. Uh, so colonizers came into Texas, mm-hmm. and then there were already families that lived there right. that were the Tejanos. Mm-hmm. And um, they kind of just, you know, said, hey, you know, we should just get together and, and do this on our own, you know. And there's well, a lot of – there's a lot of uh, – Let's give a little more background there because <laughs> because most of the people – most of the people that moved in from the United States yeah. at the time and took took advantage of that of that largesse of the Mexican government. Oh yeah. Eventually, they many of them were from the South mm-hmm. and and slavery yeah. and and uh, using slave labor mm-hmm. was was a way of leveraging. You know, slaves were not seen as people; they were seen as capital. Right. And and so. Uh, uh, they moved to Texas. There's a lot of very fertile land there, yes. ready to be farmed. Yep. Problem was, Mexico had outlawed slavery. Exactly right. You could not own slaves in Mexico. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and whether uh, modern day Texans and I'll fight any Texan over this. I yeah. uh, you know uh, whether modern day Texans want to admit it or not. That mm-hmm. uh, that is a large part of Texas history. Yeah. Is that is that the people who rebelled against uh, against Mexico City? Yes were rebelling for economic reasons because they wanted to bring slaves in oh, and the yeah. Mexican government wouldn't let them. It's almost so, always yeah. an economic uh, yeah. thing. Uh-huh. You know, uh, You know, there there are a lot of excuses made. <laughs> like, well, right. well, we don't want to convert to Catholic, a Catholic religion, so we're going to rebel because of that. Yeah, uh, that's that's easier to talk about, and it sounds more noble than saying, no, we want slaves. Right, right exactly. Yeah, right, and yeah. and uh, unfortunately, there was a lot of Tejanos that were there that were kind of bamboozled as well because— yeah. uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but 
after you know the Texas gained its independence, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those uh, heroes, those Tejano heroes, yeah, those those, yeah. uh, those people that fought that actually for fought for independence, yeah. um, got turned on. Yeah, you know, and they end up uh, in many cases being killed. Yeah, uh, their their properties being stolen mm-hmm, from mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it is a very dark uh, part of Texas history. Yeah. But but in other words, I mean, you're going back to the original original thing was that. Uh, that basically the border moved. Uh, yeah, you know the, uh, the border of, of Mexico used to be north of Texas, uh, <laughs> and so then it, then it moved to the Rio yeah, Grande right. Valley. So uh, so, so that's where the joke comes the from. We us. didn't cross the border; the border crossed us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. The problem is the border went too far south. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so you know that's a that's a great piece of humor out of out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Antonio culture there. I, oh, you know, yeah. I just want to grab onto that a little bit. That's 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 great, Robert. <laughs> now, um, also also the history of mariachi music yes. it itself is really is really fascinating. Let me just let me just try this out and see if I have sure. it right. Correct me seriously. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But the, but the brass instruments. People might go. Okay, Mexicans really claim this music. So it's using all this European brass instruments mm-hmm. and and I I I read a couple of things that that the brass instruments mm-hmm. that usually are associated with polka bands mm-hmm. you know like around here we have a lot of Czech people that live in Oklahoma so we see these polka bands all the time sure. and and this kind of umpa music uh uh that that when the Germans colonized Mexico for a while mm-hmm. They they wanted the Mexicans to learn how to play their music, so they would come and play their music. But when they took their instruments at home at night, they would just make up their own music. That's where mariachi music came from. So right? no, you're actually telling the story of banda music. Oh, okay. All so right. banda, which we have a banda actually okay. r- right now uh-huh. too. Uh, uh, the first banda here for Oklahoma. Um, but but you're yeah you're refer- mm-hmm. you're talking about the history of the banda. Okay. So the banda, yeah, what you think of as an umpa band? I mean. You know, tuba, uh, right, alto right, horns, right. <clears throat> harmony, uh, trombones, trumpet, right, clarinet, yeah. uh, per- percussion. Mm-hmm. Um, r- really fun music. Really <laughs> fun music and right. really loud. So uh, how, did, but, how, did, how did mariachi come out of So that? the mariachi music, the mariachi ensemble has actually, and the word mariachi has actually in- existed since before uh, the colony wow. times. Okay. Um, so and the instruments were added to it. The then, instruments right? were added to it. Oh, so, okay. but it was traditionally a string band, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes with the with the native flute or that right. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it came out of a string tradition, not out of brass tradition. Wow, it's interesting because, you know, trumpets are so highly associated with mariachi music, right? Oh, yeah. That you would just think it was part of it forever. Yeah. But they didn't actually come into popularity until the 30s and 40s because wow. of radio. Because at that time you yeah. had low fidelity radio. Oh yeah, so the strings wouldn't come through. The string strings wouldn't come through. The trumpets oh. would come through. And so so, so it's just kind of a techno- technologically driven change that happened. Yeah, you know, it's it's always it's always one of those things where you know an ensemble, you know, well, you know, we're bass guitar and 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 guitar and two violins, right? Let, you know, what can we do to make us different from the next group of four guys <laughs> down the road? You know, yeah. And so, and especially as the music started becoming more popular, and mm-hmm. uh, and then you have different ensembles trying out different things, right? Um, you know, it's really interesting how trumpet got added. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a there was a, you know, several mariachis, but one of the mariachis that's kind of just using as example because they're kind of the biggest mariachi and has been around for at least five, maybe six generations mm-hmm. is Mariachi Vargas. 
And so when they decided to add trumpet to their ensemble, I, I don't think they were the first to do it, but they definitely defined the style of the okay. Mageti trumpet. Yeah. Because they had so many options. They were they were already doing things, movies and things like that in right. the capital of Mexico, even though they came out of Jalisco. Um, and they decided instead of hiring a classically trained trumpet player, which they had mm -hmm. access to everybody, um, and somebody that had already had an established style, they hired basically a newcomer, talented guy, and said, we want you to adapt to our style. We want you to play as if you were playing a violin. You know, we want you to use the vibrato that we're using. Wow. We want you to use the dynamics that we're using mm -hmm. um, and match what we're doing. And so that really got established as the mariachi style. That's where you hear the vibrato. You hear wow, those dynamics. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. um, and it's, it's the staccato. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, all those sorts of things. And, uh, and it, it's just interesting that it came about um, relatively late in the mariachi How tradition. That? You know, yeah. that people just associate because it's such a huge part. Uh -huh. And uh, and so, but, the, but it's important that we have that context. So when right. we're teaching in the mariachi programs, yeah. when we're uh, even teaching experienced trumpet players how mm -hmm. to play mm -hmm. and think about how they adapt the style, right? Uh, that that's where it came from, knowing that history. Is that mariachi program in Oklahoma City schools? Are you are you starting to see again a sense of a sense of pride among among the children in in Oklahoma City schools about that about their own culture? Is that is that building? significant amount of amount of pride in students well uh i think that the, there's definitely that piece um mm -hmm. the reason why we wanted to start the mariachi school programs is to uh further that idea that i had not just exposure but actually education right. yeah. to cultural culturally significant activities right uh you know we had started the the mariachi programs uh over 10 years ago mm -hmm. with the help of three vh1 grants mm -hmm. susan gabbard uh was the fine arts director at the time and she showed Tremendous leadership in in getting those yeah. those uh, those established, mm -hmm. um, and then Christian Osborne had done a great job of keeping those mm -hmm. programs alive and things like mm -hmm. that. Unfortunately, you know, we lost two of the three programs during the cuts last year. Right. Yeah. So then it's it's now we who have a vested interest in making sure that the education stays alive. How do we you know how do we do this to to make sure that it stays right. you know. Yeah. So we we just explored all sorts of different options, whether it was starting an after-school program, whether it was doing, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, uh, you know, going into a public school with, you know, an outside organization and doing the program. And so um, so we've, we've, I think we've found a kind of a balance. So the, the, the Fillmore Mariachi has been able to stay uh, mm -hmm. in. Uh, we'll be starting a, an in-school in program. Um, from uh, from Academia, which is basically a new organization that was established okay. to create more uh -huh. consistency and longevity. Good uh, in Scheidler Elementary. Yeah, yeah. And then Academia will be starting an after school program. Wow. And so we did a pilot project uh, this this last summer, mm -hmm. uh, Mariachi Summer Camp, mm -hmm. and that experience was tremendous. I mean, talk about just hands on. Uh, seeing face to face everything we're trying to accomplish, and in <laughs> such a quick time, you know, come into fruition. Like, you know, like you said, kids becoming more proud of their right. heritage yeah. and culture, uh -huh. parents becoming more proud of their kids right. because yeah. it's something that they can uh -huh. relate to and be uh -huh. involved with. It's you know, it's so ubiquitous in Mexico. It's like the tortilla. Yeah, you know, 
So <laughs> here, coming here, they take it for granted, and it's like, well, the kids don't know anything about mariachi music because they're not exposed to it. So yeah. all of a sudden, I'm see, seeing them become a part of that. You know, right. it, it's huge. <clears throat> um, and then um, the kids growing connections to even extended family because now they're playing mariachi music was just amazing to see too. I mean, we had a, a girl that had spoken to a great uncle that she had never spoken to, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, another, another and person. And through the music. Exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> was able to play the, you know, Las Mañanitas, which is basically a birthday song in Spanish to one yeah. of their other family members. Oh, how about that? And, uh, you know, so it, it, it was that sort of thing, that, that, that dynamic that wasn't happening, <laughs> that all of a sudden in the matter of just two weeks was happening. How about that? And, you know, all these kids came in not knowing any instrument. So it was a four-hour-a-day program for mm-hmm. two weeks. Yeah. Uh, they were given private instruction for two two hours, and then the other two hours was ensemble work, whether it was yeah. music theory, whether it was singing, or just the ensemble musician work. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they were able to play three songs for their recital Wow! for their parents and family. Yeah. And it was just amazing seeing that happen in such a short period of time yeah. and uh, and kids from all sorts of different backgrounds, all different ages, mm-hmm. and uh, that really said, this can be done and this can be done well. Yeah, um, yeah. And those are those those two organizations that you that you referenced there. Those mm-hmm. those are both um, outside of the school system, right? Yes. They're they're just coming in and saying, this is important enough. We're going to go out and raise money, and we're going to we're going to go ahead and do this anyway as after school. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But working in conjunction with the public schools. Right. Yeah. Uh, because Oklahoma City Public Schools had, you know, a, a huge amount of money cut from their budget mm-hmm. from the state mm-hmm. for this school year. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you started this great mariachi program in the school system. There's a lot of press about it. Everybody, everybody wanted to write about it in Oklahoma City. And, and, um, uh, so, uh, and everybody did a good job covering that, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but then it's like the bottom fell out financially, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, at, by, by the end of the school year, didn't right. it? So, oh yeah. And that's, that's how we're recovering. Then, yes. Right? How's it going so far this school year? It's going well. So, um, so we're, we're actually still trying to get the, the programs launched. So oh, Scheidler, okay. Scheidler will start in January actually. Oh, okay. And, you know, principal Ayala has just done. Yeah. A tremendous job there in Scheidler, yeah. yeah. Uh, with everything that he's doing, right. uh, you know, from the academics to making sure that the kids are getting even their basic needs met, right? right. Um, and and then trying to now bring in the arts, yeah. you know. So for him, having a mariachi program in the school is essential, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so he's really made so it happen. It, so it started last last January. Then the program did. It would start this January. Oh, oh, it's going to start this January. <clears throat> yes. So you've had to spend the summer and the fall just trying to get everybody together. So there, summer, right? summer was kind of the like I said, the pilot project to make sure that okay, it could be done and could be done well. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Um, right now we're kind of in the uh, grant writing phase. We're in the oh. uh, you know trying to gain more support, and then uh, we'll probably actually launch after school program uh, within a couple of weeks because yeah. we've already put together all the instructors. Uh, many of which you know did the summer program. If people, if people listening to this want want to contribute in some kind of yeah. kind of way, who do they contact to help with this? Actually, probably the easiest way would be to go to academiaok.com. Okay, and there can they can learn about all the programs Good. because okay. it's not just mariachi; it's also banda that we we're talking about or, earlier. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's uh, it's fine arts, it's it's uh, visual arts, mm-hmm. it's dancing, it's all sorts of other things too. Yeah. 
that academia will eventually get into. Um, but, you know, making sure that kids from all sorts of different backgrounds can have access mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I would say that would be the best place to start to kind of get an idea about what the program is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they can they can either donate there or they can, if they have an opportunity for a grant that right. we can apply to, mm-hmm. then uh, you know, we can do all that kind of communication good, through there. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to just kind of throw that in if somebody's going, hey, how do I help with that? So, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Good. That concludes our interview. There are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast. Go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe, listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guest. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life. So write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com. Stephen Tyler is our awesome production advisor, and I am your host, Brett Dickerson.